jump. I don't care if you run around the sanctuary. But for five minutes, we are going to sing this song, and we are going to praise and worship God, okay? Y'all good with that? Great. You got to crank it up, Grissy. I'm going to turn my microphone off because I cannot sing. So.
y'all young folks. Hey, I'll, thank y'all younger folks. And hey, I did something I don't normally do because I don't normally praise and worship and sing up way up front anymore because um, John says I embarrass him. So, no, really, I was on my way and I was telling Pastor Shelley, I was like, I was just listening to praise and worship and just meditating with God saying, God, you know, let this evening be an evening where we can just launch off with something new and different. And God was like, you know what? Make them do something they're not used to doing. Angie said, hey, it's almost like women's conference. I said, you know what? We're going to play some music. We're going to crank it up. We're going to just do something to get us ready. And so that's the idea. Sometimes just not worrying, throwing total abandon to what anybody's looking, thinking, or going to say about us. Really do not care. Right, Angie? What's the, what's the mantra? You don't remember? Being delivered. Wow, you haven't been reading your paper. Being delivered from the opinions of other people. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. I made her type it out and put it on her wall. Hey, I'm, I'm just so excited, though. I am excited. Pastor Shelley, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed. This is phenomenal. And for us, ladies, it's easy for us to get together. Hey, Christy, can you pull up that picture? Did you get it yet? No? Man. I have a picture I want to show y'all of Pat. Now, you know last week, what was I saying about the chocolate fountain? What was I saying? No fingers. She didn't have her fingers. She had her whole hand. And Angie got a picture of it, and so I wanted to show everybody. This is what Pat does when we're not around. Really, we were having fun cleaning up, and I said, you got to take that picture, and so we did. But tonight, I want to talk to you guys from the reality TV show Survivor. And I think most of us know the series. I know some people, they love it because uh, it was a good question. want to have a challenge in here. I was like, y'all might see how many of y'all split y'all in two. Who can do the moonwalk? Who, you know, and we'll have a challenger series. That I don't know what the reward would be. I would lose two. I haven't done it in a long time. But it's, it's really awesome when we start to think about the Christian walk. And so I'm going to share a lot. I told Pastor Shelley, I have so much in my brain that I think I could do a series on nothing but Survivor, but I'm going to condense it into an hour tonight. Amen? Y'all all right with that? I can do it. So with Survivor, Australia in particular, because I did a lot of research, there was 50,000 people that applied to get on that show. 50,000 people applied to be a participant. Marooned in an island, I don't know why that many people would want to do it, but 50,000 people applied for it. 24 were selected. Now, obviously, we have to learn to do more and survive on a desert island or in the Australian outback. They were trying to win a million dollars. But uh, it, it's amazing how many things we survive. We survive cancer. We survive abuse. We survive earthquakes. We survive tornadoes. We survive hurt, loss, death, divorce. Things that they tell us we survive. But the thing about it is that God has not called us just to survive. And so tonight, I really want to just talk to us about going from survivor to more. Because God's called us to be conquerors. God has called us to be overcomers. But it's a process. And a lot of times, the process is where we get stuck. And so for me personally, if you've been around any length of time, you've heard my testimony probably in bits and pieces throughout um, life. Uh, I was 
raped at the age of nine, and from the age of nine till about the age of 13, I endured either rape or molestation by family members. And I wasn't bitter or upset at the person. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I was angry, but it never turned to bitterness because it was weird. We still had a decent relationship. But I was angry at the people like my mom who didn't, in my opinion, do anything about it. Okay, he's grounded. Really? Years later, um, the first incident with my cousin, I was able to talk to him and say, you know, this, is, this hurt me. You took something from me that nobody can ever give back to find out that he had endured it himself at the hands of a female cousin. And to, to have the opportunity to let him say he was sorry, to walk down that path of forgiveness. And our relationship is great. I, I don't have any ill feelings. Um, God has, has allowed me to really grow beyond how I felt about things and really to grow. But I can tell you it affected my marriage. Um, it affected me personally. It affected my self-esteem. It probably affected age... 18 till about 25. I got married when I was 21. And um, at that time, John knew. John and I had talked. But the truth of it was, John, John's mentality was this, uh, all right, it happened, now get over it. I, and I think if I could have exercised my head all the way around back then, I probably would have. And the thing that we had to communicate and really get past was, for me, I'm looking at him going, does this not matter? Don't you care? And it was, for me, it was hurtful because I was thinking he didn't care. But there came a place where we were able to communicate. And his thing was, it makes me angry. It makes me want to go hurt those people. And so, but I needed to know that. And then we were able to go to a place where, you know what, okay, now we're good. We can get past this. But it had hindered me. It hindered me in our intimacy. When I was young, it, I was very promiscuous. I did not care about me, physical body. Did not see myself as anything precious. Um, the understanding that God has fearfully and wonderfully made me was not my understanding. And so it, it adjusted my life. But today, God has taken me from being a survivor of those things to being more than that. Today, God has got me in a place where I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm whole of that, I'm close to those people, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, I, I don't fear it, I don't shudder when I see them, I don't, because that was me for a lot of years, it's like, okay, you don't, you don't need to hug me, yeah, and so we, we oftentimes find ourselves in places where we think nobody understands, no matter what that situation is that you have survived, tonight you're here and you've survived it, no doubt, no matter what it is, you're here tonight and you've survived. But the thing is, God doesn't want to leave us there. And maybe you've overcome that thing. But have you conquered it? Because there's a difference. And, and we'll talk about some of that tonight. And I'm going to use the logo, Outwit, Outplay, Outlast, as we go through and talk. Because I really think that God's got some stuff strategically that we need to learn. That there are some things that when you get a hold of something, and it's just like last week when Pastor Shelley was talking about how Sometimes, you know, we say we want to give something to God, and, and it's like we don't let that weight go. And we don't even understand what we're carrying around. We have no idea how heavy it really has become. We don't even know that it's keeping us from being able to do 50 jumping jacks. We just think, well, this is just who I am. Well, this is just who I am. you got to deal with it. 
That's not what God said, though. You don't just have to deal with it. You're not just in, that's not the end of it. That is not the last part of the story. Because the Bible says that he knew the beginning from the end. And so one of the things, and, I, and I'll just talk to you a little bit about the game first. 16, sometimes 24 people, they divide them into two tribes, place them in a remote, deserted location, most often an island. I didn't know this. They're allowed to bring one luxury item of their choice, whether it's a pillow, a hairbrush, a stuffed animal. And they have to survive off the land and take part in difficult physical and mental challenges. Now, obviously, at the end of each episode, we see the tribal council. And somebody gets voted off. And as that goes on over those weeks, they end up with, one survivor, one person. But the thing that I found interesting as I was looking at this is, you know, it's funny. They provide the contestants with a set of rules. When, when the 24 are selected, they bring them in and they sit them down and they give them the rules of engagement. Some of, our, some of them I thought was, okay, this, this lets them stay in play. You can't make an alliance, say, okay, we're going to share the money. You, go with me and we vote everybody off and at the end one of us is left and I'll split the million dollars with you. You can't do that because that would be cheating. But they actually tell them this. Got to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. But the thing that I thought, some things are very practical. They actually tell them never pick up anything, sticks or anything else without using something to move it away. Well, duh. You're on an island. You don't want to pick up a snake or get bit. And I was like, but they make it a rule. Now, part of that's a liability thing just for reality purposes. But they actually tell the contestants, do not pick up anything without first moving stuff and make sure that there's nothing around it dangerous, that you're actually getting what it is you think you're getting. And I was like, man, okay, we have our own instructions. How many of y'all have read your Bible today? Everybody should have raised your hand if you was in church today. And I, I said, you know, it's interesting. There's challenges whether you were Abraham, whether you were Joseph, whether you were Esther. All of these people had to go through different challenges. I was like, you know, it's pretty interesting. They have immunity challenges, reward challenges, different obstacles that they face on the game. And I was like, reward challenges? Huh. The guys get to go, what's it called? You know, you go on the rope from this end of, yeah, the zip line. That was one of the rewards that the men got on one of the, the games. I didn't feel like that was much of a reward either, but it was a reward from a challenge. And I was like, one of them I watched while they were different people. They was like, okay, if you don't want to participate, you can go and have all of the burgers and fries you want while the rest of the ones that want to participate to try and win immunity. So, I mean, they're shoving burgers in. I mean, they're trying to eat quickly. I'm like, they're going to make themselves sick. But it's all in how you process and play the game. And ladies, we're in, a, we're in the game of life. And, and so really, we have to learn what are the rules. We have to learn how do we play. We have to learn how do we get to be that person standing at the end that's like, I did it. I got it. I won. Not that I won a million dollars, but that I won peace, that I won joy, that I got back from the devil all the stuff he stole from me. Because I'm not, I'm not one that sits idly by. Y'all kind of know that about me now. I'm not the, we don't tiptoe around in the tulips. I, I'm, I'm straight and forward. I'm, I'm like my pastor that way. We, uh, yeah, I know you know. You don't want to get beat. But we have the set of rules. And so 
you have to learn how to navigate. When we went to Okinawa, you have to go through a class first before they let you drive because you drive on the opposite side of the road. Now, that's a unique challenge if all you've ever done is drive in the United States. So we go through a class. And it ain't a practical driving class. It's a class with PowerPoints and stuff laid out. And then here's your military driver's license. You can go drive. Now, I've learned the rules. I've learned the signs. I've learned the roundabouts. But now I have to put it into action. And so we had to learn. And guess what? We had to make adjustments. Because when we came home every year, you would find yourself turning into someplace and being on the wrong side of the road. Done it. Never had an accident, praise God. But I've had to learn to adjust, navigate by the rules, not just in big, bad situations, but in every situation. Whether it's work, whether it's retiring from the military, whether it's being military, whatever, being a parent, you know you have to adjust to that every day, how many times a day. But we have to learn to do it and then actually do it. We learn a lot of stuff. Being in CFC, you learn all kinds of stuff here. But if you never apply it, you might as well not even came. You got a lot of good information, but it's doing you no good. And so with what I tell you tonight, it's going to be great information. But if you don't use it, it won't do you any good. Amen? All right. Number one, outwit. John 16, from the message, and you're not going to have the scriptures up, so I hope y'all brought pens and paper and write stuff down because I'm going to give you a lot of words. John 16, the message Bible says, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I have conquered the world. Now, the most awesome part of that is that our Savior told us right up front, you're going to experience difficulties. I didn't say it. It's in red in your Bible. Candace did not say that. Pastor Shelley didn't say it. Pastor Todd didn't come up with it. Jesus said, you will continue to experience difficulties, but the but is good. You can shout right there, if nothing else, but take heart. I have overcome, I have conquered the world, depending on your translation. And so right there, the promise is everlasting. We know we're going to have difficulties. It shouldn't surprise us. We act surprised, we get knocked down, we, I don't know. Sometimes we just act like we're totally taken aback. But it's because we're not paying attention to the reality that it's coming. So we have the first part of our logo that says outwit. What does that mean? brain think your mind and so one of the things is that we actually need to change our strategies what I put you know a lot of times you go in and you're gonna play a game no matter what that game is whether it's basketball football whatever it is you always go in you have a strategy if the other team is scoring and you're not scoring you might need to change the strategy if y'all are following the NBA Finals you watched this past week as Oklahoma City changed the strategy and almost came back to win and you're talking about, they went, they, Miami went up in the first quarter, 18 to 2. Oklahoma City brought it back to within one at one point in the fourth quarter. I told John, I was like, these boys are hustling. But I'm telling you, I can look at that and be like, you know what? 
the devil went up. I had shared with Pastor Shelley about a month ago. I said, man, I felt like I got sucker punched. And I was discouraged because I, I really was, I was upset. I'm like, I've been down these roads before. I shouldn't be having some of these things go on. Shouldn't be struggling with some of this stuff. I shouldn't have got to that, that spot. And I told Pastor Shelley, I said, I felt like, you know how it's like if you get sucker punched. And this is what she said back. She said, you know what? He landed a hit. But that's all. He didn't win the battle. Oh, I'm telling you, I got excited right there and was like, you know what? He landed a hit. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm not done. I'm like, Joker, you better, you better tighten your gloves because I'm coming out boxing. And the thing about it is most of the time when we get hit, we just stop. It's like I told y'all last week, we sit in the ditch because we got tired. Instead of taking a break, telling somebody, hey, I'm getting tired. Can you get me a bottle of water? Can, can you just, you know, can you walk with me? Can you talk with me? I'm just a little discouraged. We just stop. We roll over and play dead. Because we don't want anybody to know that we're not really dead. We just want to, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit and I'm going to mope in my own little world. I'm going to cry over my spilled milk instead of getting a bounty paper towel and wiping it up. And we all have spilled milk. That's the thing. We all, we all have it. We all have issues. We have all messed up. We have all got it wrong somewhere. That's part of life and it's part of being human. The thing is, we don't know how to forgive ourselves. We don't know. The biggest, one of the biggest challenges that I had going through the years of really getting past the abuse was wondering, what should I have done different so this didn't happen to me? wondering, well, why did it happen to me? It must have been something. And I had a, I had a psychologist when I was um, a freshman in high school because I had had, a, had the incident with my stepfather. And, and the thing that she told me, and I'm telling you, I started to get free. She said, it wouldn't have mattered if you walked around the house naked. It wouldn't have made it right. I mean, it was like the first time someone ever had a reality point of, because something happens at someone else's expense, it doesn't make it right. Does not justify it. And it was the first time I understood that I can't be held accountable for everything. My response is my responsibility. My response is my responsibility. Y'all can tell that that's my adopted child because she knows everything that I say. My response is my responsibility. Not Pastor Shelley's response, not Erica's response, my response. How I choose to respond to life every day, that's what I'm responsible for. If I get upset, if I get mad and say, they push my buttons, really? I'm sorry. I'm at the place that I refuse to give anybody that kind of control over me continuously. Because that's exactly what happens. If somebody, they can make you mad, bull. Pastor said it today, BS, belief system. Yeah, I see. I got y'all. I know. You see where your people are. We need to. <laughs> belief system. What do you believe when someone says it? When they say something to you that's out of character, mean, hurtful. Your core belief system, even like Pastor talked about today, it's formed already. But we let stuff shake us. We don't use our minds, y'all. We, we don't. And as women, we're so emotional that we allow our emotions to really drive us. But you know what? 
God has fearfully and wonderfully made us, and we are witty, there is a reason that the Bible says that the, the, that all, the womb, we have the power to give life, and that out of this life is what's going to bruise the head of the enemy. He may get the foot, but we got that joker's head. That's a, that's a keynote to stomp. And, and it's that thing where you have to use your brain. Philippians 2 and 5 from the New King James says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. First word being let would mean that you have the option, the choice. You can choose to let the mind of Christ be what operates in you. You don't have to. You can cuss them out, fuss them out, whatever. Throw them out. It's a choice. Let this mind. We have to change the way we think about things. We have to change the strategy of how we're navigating life. And we have to let this mind be in us. It's an option. What we choose to deal with and how is our option. We can sit in it and wonder and know that God never intended for us to be hurt in some of the manners that we're hurt. People make choices. And we have that free will. Like I, I talked about before, it's like that masterpiece where God says, I would not have picked hot pink, but Angie liked pink, so I let her use pink in her masterpiece. God allows the freedom of choice, and that sometimes is not always good choices. But we can let this mind be in us that was in Christ. Romans 12 and 2. If you're in 2-7, you should know that. New Living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But again, we have instruction. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform. Again, it's a choice. We can choose to think about things the way that the world looks at it and, and think, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted, and everybody else is successful but me. I've been divorced. I've been abused. I've had a miscarriage. I've had an abortion. Whatever that thing is, and the world looks at it like this, or we can let God transform the way we think and know that the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what it is. And that's not, as the Bible says, that's not to say do, because grace abounds should sin that much for amount. No. It doesn't mean that we just carte blanche, throw out everything out, throw caution to the wind and sin just because God forgives us. No. But we have to let this mind be in us. Let God transform the way that we think. We have the choice here if we want to walk and move forward or do I want to get knocked back two or three steps every time? We were in uh, the sand dunes one year, and there was a big storm coming in, and they would have tornadoes and all that out there. And my grandfather had arthritis really, really bad, and he had been disabled for years. And my grandfather, the arthritis was so bad that he walked very slow. His knees and his fingers were so crippled up. And, and so he was standing out there, though. And it's funny because as a family, we remember it. And the storm was coming, and so we're all coming back in, being out in the dunes, riding the three-wheelers. And he's standing there, and his fingers are crooked, and he's just telling everybody to come on. It's like, hurry up. And my grandfather, because the wind was so bad, he'd take a step, and he would literally get blown back two or three steps. But he kept stepping, and he's trying to get us in, and the wind would blow him back. But he didn't stop. 
didn't sit down, didn't be like, well, I guess they'll get here and maybe they'll be okay. Choices, choices. We have choices, ladies, and, and I think a lot of times we just, we get complacent. Pastor talked today about complacency. We get complacent. 1 Corinthians 2.14, because I want you all to change with the word. You're not going to change based on what I stand up here and tell you today, but you're going to have enough word in you that when you leave today, you're going to know that this is God's design. This isn't me and Pastor Shelley. We want it for you. But God wants it, and God's already got it for us. The success is there. The victory is there. We need to just know how to tap into it. We need to know how to change the strategy. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 from the Living Bible, But the man who isn't a Christian can't understand and can't accept these thoughts from God, which the Holy Spirit teaches us. They sound foolish to him because only those who have the Holy Spirit within them can understand what the Holy Spirit means. Others just can't take it in. The Amplified of that same version says, But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are folly, meaningless, nonsense to him, and he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. What does that mean? That's a lot of word. What does that mean? It means that people won't understand why you can forgive them. It means that people won't understand how you can still be nice to that person that talked about you, that treated you bad, that lied, stole, cheated, and we treat them nice. doesn't mean that we are crazy and stupid about it. The Bible talks about silly women. We're not silly women, but we're spirit-filled women. I can still operate in the love of God when you've been wrong, when you've treated me wrong. I know it's wrong, and I would be justified to cuss your butt out. But I don't have to. I will pray for you. Because where you are is a place of danger. It has nothing to do with me. But I know what God's will is. I know what God wants. It, and we had a, a lady that was in this week, and she was telling me that she believed God for 17 years to see change in her husband. Family and everybody else was saying, why are you staying and she said, because I believe God. See, people can't understand it. They can't understand what you have faith in. If they don't understand the word and they don't understand the God we serve, they will not understand. Well, how can you just keep being nice? How can you let them talk about you and tweet and Facebook and whatever else they're doing, blogging about you? Because I understand what God has told me to do. The battle isn't mine. And so people don't always understand. I don't understand how you could do that. <laughs> now you know why they don't understand. It's foolishness to them. But tell a believer, a, a, a full of faith, spirit-filled believer what you're doing. It won't be foolishness to us. You have to also be mindful of who you get counsel from, who you share your life with, who you ask for advice. I asked my pastor. I knew where I was. I, I knew and recognized where I was. And, and there are times I call John and say, just tell me, don't get frustrated about blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you already know that. I'm like, that isn't what I called and said to you. I said, just tell me. I know what the answer is. I already know what it is. That's not what I said. Just tell me. Y'all know I was in the military for 20 years, so you know I made that phone call a lot, right? For 20 years, I made that phone call a lot. 
if you've worked with the government, you know. Miss Maria knows. Sometimes we just need to hear the encouragement. Sometimes we need someone to build us up and share. I know that's what the word says. I, and there are times you don't want to hear the word. There are times I look at John like, if you give me one more scripture, but I'm quiet. I told y'all God is working on my shut up mechanism. I'm telling you, I'm getting good. But there are times I'm thinking, boy, yeah. Ooh, I love you. <laughs> but I have learned. I'm telling you, I learned that, you know, to say somebody made you mad, made you anything, the devil made me do it. That's a lie. The devil ain't got that much control. And we give him way too much credit. And ain't nobody should have enough con Ain't nobody. Whew. That was a double negative. Who's a teacher in here? We got any teachers? Sorry. <laughs> There's no way that somebody should have so much control over you that they can make you anything. But we do it. We all do it. Nobody can say there's not a time that you're not probably upset because of something somebody did. But at the end of the day, you have to stop and be like, you know what? I'm going to let God deal with that. Because I sure let God deal with my family, John's family. I have to just turn them over and be like, you know what, Lord? You deal with it. Because if I deal with it, it probably isn't going to be real good because I get in the flesh a little bit. Oh, no, y'all supposed to say no. That didn't like to surprise anybody. <laughs> I'm a little scared. Okay, so the other part of it, because you know in outwitting, the other thing would be knowing strategy. Knowing the strategy. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, New King James, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And God's word translation says, I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we are not ignorant about Satan's scheming. He only has one purpose. John 10 and 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's, that's all he's there for. He's not coming up with anything new. And ladies, I tell you before, if you didn't pass the, ta the test last year, you're going to have to take it over sometime. Sorry. It's just like our kids. If they don't get it right, we make them what? Do it again. He does the same with us as his kids. If we don't get it right, if we don't learn what we need to, I'm telling you, there have been times when we were in Okinawa, I was praying, God, let me get whatever I'm supposed to get out of this because I do not want to repeat this ever again. I didn't want to repeat it. I knew that I needed to glean something out of it. There were things I needed to learn. There were strategies I needed to be uprooting and taking. But again, a lot of times we just don't think into it. And there are times that when we talked about, when John talked about turning back is not an option, we want to go back to something familiar. Stepping out in forgiveness is not always familiar territory for us. Stepping out to become more than just a survivor, that's not comfortable because most people will look at you and be like, you were raped? Uh, okay. Because they're, they're expecting a certain type of person. Used to be on drugs? Used to be an alcoholic. You had cancer? And you know, you're like, yeah. I, India said I taught her something the other <laughs> last time we taught, and I was like, John said, John told her to ask me. She said, I taught her what a 40 was. <laughs> well, at least I taught her with my words, and hopefully she doesn't take the actions. 
More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. And you have to be aware of the enemy. We, we, we know what he does. If you look in Matthew 13, we have the parable of the sower, the wheat and the tares. God has shown us a picture of things to look at, of what the enemy is going to try and do. He's going to try and come in and steal the word. He's going to try and come in and plant something in the midst of what you're trying to grow. You're trying to go a good relationship? He's going to throw an argument in there. You're trying to get your kids on track? They might fail a subject or three, if close like mine. We went in one six-week period. I told Pastor Shelley, we're failing. He's failing three classes in a six-week period. We, we got it pulled out. Praise God. But we were failing three subjects, and he went from B's. God, the enemy will throw stuff to try and get you off track. And it's the wheat and the tares. It's the parable of the sower. We have the instructions. We have, the, we have everything we need. We're not using it. And if we read this, we're not sharing with anybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated today. I I'm, I'm miss my kids. My mom was like, why so soon? I'm like, because I miss my kids. Hey, John and I had a few date nights. We watched some movies. We slept in late. It's time for me to get my kids back now. My mom told me possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> Y'all know I'm going to get my kids, right? But we have to know the strategies. A lot of times, the enemy, he comes the same way. He's not using new tricks, guys. He's not using new stuff. He's not throwing something new at you that you've never seen before. He didn't throw a curveball that you didn't ever know he had. He had the same 90-mile-an-hour pitch the last game. Same strategy. You can guarantee... The, in, the, in the finals right now, Miami and Oklahoma are looking at all the past games to see how the other teams played. Strategies do not change that much that you can't look and identify and know what's coming. Oftentimes, we don't want to know. But if you're prepared, it's a lot easier to get to the top of the mountaintop. Amen? We got to outplay. Outwit, outplay, outlast. Like I said, y'all know John and I are sports fans. I, I've played basketball, cheerlead, did all that stuff. Love sports. Coached. I told John if it wasn't for basketball, we probably would still not be married. Because in the early years, that's all we had, and that's what we centered our lives around. We didn't communicate. We went to basketball together. I helped coach the team. He played, and that was how we did life. Every weekend, we were at a tournament. Every weekend. We didn't talk about nothing. We got on the van with all the rest of the guys, and... I was the assistant coach, hung out, did our thing, played tournaments, Friday night, Saturday all day, Sunday all day, come home, go to work. That's how we did life in the beginning of our marriage. I told him, I said, so basketball kept us married. He's laughing. He's like, yeah, I guess so. But the thing about it is Ephesians 6 and 10, I'm going to read this and it's long. I'm going to read 10 through 18 from the message because we all know, we hear it. We understand the armor, but I want to read the message, and I want to read all of this because I want you to think about being able to outplay the enemy. He's done, he landed a punch. He got you. You might have even doubled over. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18 says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best material. 
Put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And I'm telling you guys, when I read that, I was like, and John's like, you're going to read all that? I was like, I'm going to read all of that. Because as I read it, I was like, man, we have the weapons already. Best weapons. We have the best weapons that God could have laid out. Got to learn how to put them to use. Got to learn how to apply it. Help each other up. I loved it. This is no afternoon athletic contest that you'll walk away from in a couple hours and forget about. This is life. For some of y'all, it's been life or death. For some of y'all, it's been life and marriage. For some of y'all, it's been life and kids. It's life. And we have the victory already established. We have the weapons that we need. We don't know how to use them. Would you hand a 9mm to your 9-year-old, your 3-year-old? Would, would any of us do it? No. You teach them. Joseph, I, I have specifically instructed that he learns gun safety. He wants to hunt and he thinks he's ready. He's not ready. So you've got to learn gun safety. So he's got the little BB guns, the little air gun. Until you can learn to keep it pointed down and not be pointed at me or anybody else, you're not ready. So we're trying to teach safety. You don't fire the gun ever in my house. I don't care if it's on safe or there's nothing in it. You fired it because you were playing, you're not ready. There wasn't nothing in it. It was on safe. I don't care. The rules are you do not fire the gun in the house. Until they understand that, they got to learn to apply it. We do it with our kids. We do it in school. But we have to do it in life. We do it in everything that we encounter. Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Stay on guard. Play your game. Don't let them force you to theirs. Now, that's the New Living Translation. And again, I was thinking about basketball. But when they press, they're trying to make you. And, it, and if you watch, I love it. Because over the last few games that you've watched, somebody's trying to shift the momentum. They're either trying to speed it up or slow it down. The devil's no different. He's trying to make us play his game. Don't let them force you to theirs. You know what? I'm going to do this my way, which is God's way. I don't think I'm going to let you make me mad. I, I'm going to learn to be quiet. How many of y'all been practicing your shut-up mechanism? It's hard, ain't it? I know. I'm still working on it. I am yet a woman under construction. Pastor Shelley even works on her shut-up mechanism every now and then. Every once in a while. There's a purpose for learning how to apply stuff and not letting someone take us somewhere that God's not trying to take us. People will try to take you, whether it's trying to get you on their side, 
get you to where they are to be upset or frustrated or talk about gossip, whatever that thing is, someone's trying to take you somewhere, and it's not where God said go. I told Pastor Shelley my whole ordeal that I was going through, when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was trying to fix something God didn't tell me to fix. Ouch. I was trying to fix something. but God had never told me to go fix it. Ah, you know, the peacemaker trying to make sure everything's right and people don't get offended and nobody has their feelings hurt. And at the end of the day, I was, I was praying and driving. I'm always praying and driving and God's dealing with me. I guess it's because I can't escape. Praying and driving this day and God said, I didn't tell you to fix it. It's like a light, like, <laughs> you know, people beside you are probably like, I was like, I, I got it. Got home call, Pastor Shelley. God didn't tell me to fix it. She was like, I know. <laughs> but you know what? My life got a lot easier right after that. God didn't tell me to fix it. No wonder I was frustrated. I was in a bunch of mess I wasn't supposed to be in. Somebody can say amen or ouch. We've all done it. It's nothing about judgmental. It's nothing about, the Bible tells us to bear ye one another's burdens. Because we have to figure out where we are to figure out who needs help where. Okay, have you learned to wield the sword? You're good? I mean, you need help with the shield? Okay, what, what, where are you at? Because I'm working on this part and you've already got that one mastered. How'd you? That's why God says forsake not the gathering together. Iron sharpens iron. You need a sharp sword to win, but it's not all you need. God wants us to get there. And one of the things that I wrote is sometimes you have to be the one to take the highway. And I split that out, the highway. Because sometimes you have to forgive and they haven't asked. Sometimes they're dead and they won't ask. Sometimes they're alive and they won't ask. Sometimes they don't even think they've done anything wrong, or if they've done something, they don't care. But you're not doing it for you. Most of the time, they are not bound at all by anything that happened. They're not thinking anything about what you're thinking about. Whatever hurt or whatever pain, whatever loss you experience, they're not even consumed with it a little bit. Not even a little bit. Most of the time. We do it for us. God wants us to be free. It's not so much about that person. And, and the thing about it, we just don't choose to do it. Hebrews 12 says, and again, highway. The Living Bible says, try to stay out of all quarrels and seek to live a clean and holy life. For one who is not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. The new living of that same verse says, Work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A lot of times... When we've gone through something and we have had to be a survivor of whatever that incident has been, whatever that group of incidents have been, we fail that part right there and we allow bitterness 
to come in, and, and that's because we don't deal with it. We keep letting that thing fester, and it's like a wound. And for the medical people know, you know if you have an infection and you don't deal with it, that thing's going to get nasty. That thing is going to affect more than that spot, corrupting many. In our body, if we don't deal with something, if you get a cut, <laughs> if you cut your thumb, slice and squash, and you don't deal with it, and that thing gets infected, and you just let it go, pretty soon it won't be the tip, it'll be the whole thumb. And pretty soon it'll be the whole hand. And just like us, what happens is inside our heart, we don't deal with something, and that thing grows, and it, be it consumes us, and it becomes more than just an infection. It becomes a way of life. We're angry, we're bitter, we're resentful. Don't touch me. I'm not letting anybody get too close. Guarded is not even the word. Some of y'all are defensive from get-go because somebody has hurt you. Some of you, it would take months to even establish a friendship because somebody has hurt you, walked out, lied, cheated, stolen from you. And you said instead of, you know what, I'm going to move past that, you established the rest of your life because of that. That is not what God has told us to do. That's not how God has established us to live life. We're meant to live life helping each other. And we've allowed the things that have hurt us to define us. That is not God's best for us women. We are women of God. We are victorious. And it's time, it's now to take it back. I refuse, absolutely refuse to keep living the same way and expecting a different result. That's ignorance. That's stupidity. Keep doing the same thing and expect something different to happen. It's not what God has said. God wants us to live different. God wants us to do it different. Make up our minds right now today that, you know what? I was hurt. They hurt me. They lied. Whether it was they lied to me, they lied about me, whatever it was. And God is saying, okay, we got to get up the mountain. How long will you go around the mountain? And God has called you to go up it. Because there's somebody that needs us to go up it. Somebody else depends on being able to look at us and see that they can do it. They can do it. Okay. How many people watched Mary Hernandez? Mary's faith. I told her, I'm like, she's a praise report for CFC. She is a praise report for God. But we are all praise reports if we choose to. God is one. We, we have to get to that place of knowing. You know what? There's more than this. I'm better than this. But we start. We outwit. We outplay. And the last one is we outlast. And that deals with endurance. That thing none of us like. Patience. Whew. Don't pray for patience, y'all. I'm going to tell you. Well, I did that. I made that mistake. Pray for wisdom. Because if you pray for patience, you will have trials and tribulations. It will. I'm I promise you. Pray for wisdom. Because you're going to have to go through stuff anyway to develop your character and develop patience. I made that mistake. I prayed for patience when I was young in the word and young in the Lord. I felt like I was going through hell. I think I was. And I was like, and I learned. You prayed for patience, baby. I was like, yeah. How do you think patience is developed? No. I have never again prayed for patience. 
I pray for wisdom. Philippians 4.13, message says, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. It's not about me. It's not about the situation because they're not all the same, but we can do all things. Not through Candace's, not through Pat's ability, not through Brittany's ability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 from the message says, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. A lot of times we feel like we're all alone. We think even God has left us or deserted us. We wonder why. But there is nothing that God has ever allowed to be placed in our lives or on us that we do not have the ability. If we did not have the ability, my mom, she says it all the time. She said, I wish God didn't think I was so strong. But if, if God didn't know that we could get there, it wouldn't even be in our life. There are some people that your story would have made someone lose their mind. That's why it's not their story. It's your story. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, the Living Bible says, What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them this same help and comfort that God has given us. Then verse 4 from the message says, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. As a company of women, God has, he has already meant it and empowered us to make it together. Not alone. You can't do it alone. When you pull yourself back and you try to be isolated and you, you keep, you need what God has put in each of us individually and collectively. And if we want to outlast the enemy, we have to be able to endure. But you will not be able to endure on your own. If you don't use God and you don't use Holy Spirit and you don't use the women that God has placed around you, it's going to be tougher than it's supposed to be. And sometimes life has been tougher than it was ever supposed to be. And it's not because that's how God wanted it to be. It's because of choices we made. So we repent, we ask God to forgive us, and we make a decision to do it different. If you're stuck and you've been going around that same mountain of unforgiveness or you're stuck around that mountain of abuse, you're stuck around that mountain of distrust, it's time to stop and make a decision to do it different. God wants us to do it differently. And he wants us to endure. He always wanted that for us. He never intended that we give up. And I'm going to end with this scripture. <laughs> Romans 12 and 19, the living Bible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. And the message says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. 
I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. And the thing that I would tell you is that life is choice-driven. And we live and die by the choices we make. Christy, do you have some music that you could just put on? God didn't intend for us to fix it on our own. I know. Got the t-shirt. Too many of them. Some of them don't even fit anymore. God did not intend for us to take matters into our own hands. Well, I'm going to get back at them. Well, I'm going to do this my way. It's not, it's not for us to do. God did not want us to do it that way, ladies. God did not want us to stay in the valley of being a survivor. God did not ever design it for us to be lost in the midst of hurt, pain, guilt, frustration. It was never the way he intended for us to have life, ever. And he does not intend for us to stay there today. He wants us to make a choice and make it different. Make new decisions today, change where we are, change course, and become more than a survivor. Surviving is great. We're glad that you do that. We're glad we all survive. But that's not where we need to stop. Some of us have stopped there. We've stopped and been content to survive. And God does not want us just to survive. He's got more. And the Bible says that he has more than we could ever think or imagine. Now, I got a big imagination. And some of y'all that know me know that. He wants to do more than we could ever think or imagine. The first part of that has to be getting us out of the hurt. Getting us past the, the loss. Getting us past the despair. Getting us away from frustration. We've got to lay it down. We have got to let it go. And I, and I believe that tonight God wants to change where we are. He wants us to get on a new course. This is no coincidence that Pastor Shelley's taking us through the reality series. Because it's reality. It's life. This is where we live. This is what we do. And the choice is ours. Life, every decision you make, driven by a choice you make in life. And it will change direction, how you navigate, depending on what you decide to do, depending on what we decide right here. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need to become more than a survivor tonight, if you need to come and just need us to be in agreement with you, Pastor Shelly and I are up here, we want you guys to just come to the altar. You don't have to tell us what it's for. You don't have to tell us what you're going from. But if you're sitting in a place that all you've been and you know it is surviving, if there's an area in your life and you've been surviving and you're ready right now to make it more than survivor, come on up here and, and we're going to pray with you. You know that God has called you to something. You know that God has been speaking to you. God has been dealing with you. You know that God has more for you than what you're settled on and where you've been. You know the promises of God. You know that God has already spoken it into existence, but you haven't chosen to walk in it. You know that God has already told you to let it go, and you're still living in it. You haven't forgiven yourself or whoever else it is. You need to come. God is wanting us to make a change, make a difference, get out of the norm, stop being
understand where we are. Stop letting something hold us back. God doesn't want us to just stop right there. God wants us to go forward. God wants us to launch off into new things. CFC is going somewhere in the year 2012. This church is going to new heights, to new places, and it starts with the people that are in it. We have to make decisions to change our life now. You know, you know, you know, God has told you. God has been dealing with you. Ladies, there are some of you that are still sitting down. You need to come. You know that God has told you. You know God's been dealing with you. I don't know what those things are. I don't know what God is dealing with you about. I don't know what God has told you. I don't know what God has ministered to you about. But I know God has told you. And God has made you promises that you're afraid to stand on. Don't be afraid to stand on the word of God. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you know God has said. Don't be afraid to walk in the victory that God has already set and established in this place. God has made promises and we're going to believe it. We're going to stand and we're going to be victorious today. And those of you that are sitting down, just reach your hands forward and start to pray as we go down and pray. God is going to do new things. God is going to do awesome miracles in our lives, in this church. God is going to do stuff that we have never seen done. And you may not have ever known that there was a miracle coming your way, but there is so much coming you can't even imagine it. God wants to take us to new places. God wants to do stuff in us that we have never even dreamed were possible. We gave up hope. We thought it was over. It's not over. God said it's not over. He didn't forget.